Good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? Are your teams winning so far this morning? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's okay. Did anybody get up at 6 o'clock this morning and watch the game this morning? The London game? No? Mo? Atlanta? Did they actually win today? You don't know? You were asleep. <laughs> what a fan. What a fan. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Oh. I know. Six o'clock's too early. I was up. I wasn't watching the game, but... Actually, I forgot the game was on or else I probably would have thrown it on there. How many of you love football? How many of you are ashamed to raise your hand because you're in church? (laughs) Yes, I love football. Um, I chose not to play it in high school because I had a bad knee and a couple other things, so I didn't play. But my brother played, so I always loved watching his game. And now my son is playing, and it's, it's so much fun to go out and just watch these kids play a game that's so much fun and see the joy in their faces when they make a tackle or make a play. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for your kids to enjoy themselves. I had the privilege uh, a couple weeks ago of speaking in our youth, and you guys have amazing youth. Oh, maybe you don't. I, I mean, I think your kids are amazing. I know some of you are like, eh, I don't know, they're teenagers right now, or, whoo, we're on the fence on this one. But you have amazing youth. It was su- such a privilege. It was really fun to see the heritage that was in that room. See, when, when I was in youth, my youth pastor was Paul Barber, and he was an amazing youth pastor, and, and just one of my great mentors. And so I, I was able to be in his youth, and then I worked alongside of him for many years, and then I became the youth pastor. And it was fun to see in the room with all these teenagers of how many of them, their parents, were in youth when I was in youth or when I did youth. And it was great to see such a heritage being passed down here at the mission. And that just that they just keep God the center of their lives. That Jesus, that they really do love Jesus, and those teenagers love Jesus. They're just amazing. So whenever you see them, bless them. Speak life into them. Wow, you guys are not quite sure about the teenagers this morning. What? Did they egg your house last night? Somebody might have done that when they were a teenager. I don't know. If I was that person or not. <laughs> All right. Well, we got some stuff coming up. We had actually something on Friday that was remarkable. We had convergence on this Friday night, which was great. Mark and Tammy headed that up, and it was such a great time of prayer. They prayed around the world, had people from different continents 
praying over each continent. So if you missed it, you can still listen to it. It's on our YouTube page and also our um, Facebook page. So you can go back and listen to that. Really encourage you to do that. It was an amazing time. Men, how many men we have in the room? How many of you like to eat? Well, in two weeks, Sunday after church, we're going to have a men's lunch for our men. Right after service, it'll be in the gymnasium. So you don't want to miss that. If you can let them know you're going to be coming, uh, they'll be out in the foyer and you can sign up for it. It's a free lunch, but if we can kind of get you to sign up so we know how many are coming. So that's in two weeks on the 24th, right after service. Men, we're going to get together, connect, have some good food. And I think we're going to try to get the football game on too. So those that don't want to miss the game, that will be on too. So you don't want to miss that. It's here in a couple weeks. And then today we have our prophetic teams. So that's why those chairs are along the wall. They're not for the teenagers to hang out in, but they're actually for a prophetic team. So after service, there'll be prophetic teams there that if you want to go get an encouraging word, you can head on over there and get a prophetic word from them after service. All right. Sounds good. Good. And then something um, for November, the month of November, there's four Sundays in November. I'm going to be doing a leadership class at eight o'clock. I know, it's Sunday at 8, but that's really the only time we could do it. And we're going to do it right out in the foyer from 8 to 9 o'clock and do a leadership class just for the month of November. We'll have coffee to keep us awake and probably some treats. But we're just going to dive into some leadership principles uh, for that month. Uh, Mo Arnold's going to help me with that, so you don't want to miss that. Anybody is welcome to come, but I encourage you if you want to expand your leadership capabilities, expand your influence, whether you feel like you are a great leader or you have no leadership skills at all, it's a good place to be. So I encourage you to come eight o'clock out in the foyer in November. How many of you can say November? November. Eight o'clock. All right. Don't want to miss that. It's going to, we're going to have a good time. 8 PM. Yeah. No, the football game's on. All right. Whew. Thank you, worship team, this morning. That was amazing. And Marguerite leading us into that time of communion. I don't think we really realize how powerful communion is. So thank you, Marguerite, for leading us in that this morning. And you know you can do communion at your home. Like You don't have to come to church to do communion, so you know. I know somebody was asking that question in their head, so you can do it anytime you want. All right, so how many have been here the last, over the last month? So what have we been talking about? Metamorphosis. Good, you guys have been paying attention, woo! You get the star for the day. So last week, um, Dad talked about a lot of things, but one of the things he talked about was um, the difference between hibernation and metamorphosis. That in um, hibernation, you come out less than, but with metamorphosis, you come out greater than. See, when you hibernate, it's about survival. But in metamorphosis, it's not about surviving the cocoon. It's about thriving in it and coming out as a butterfly. And that we, we, as the mission, are in a metamorphosis. We're not in a hibernation. 
it's really easy to slip into hibernation because it feels a lot safer. But God's calling us for a time to change into butterflies. So that's what he hit on last week. Two weeks ago, if you were here, I hit on Gideon's metamorphosis from going from the least of his family to being a mighty warrior. And the process that he went through and the the keys to that, to how to stay in metamorphosis and come out a mighty warrior. And And part of that was he becomes a mighty warrior without even killing a person. That God did it. He had the, the Midianites turn on themselves and kill each other. And so there were some keys there that we went through. I'm not going to go over those again today, but just want to reference them. So, so today I want to talk about two altars that changed the name of that place. So I'm going to start in Gideon. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Judges 6. So God's having a conversation with Gideon on how he's going to be the deliverer of Israel and deliver them from the Midianites. And so Gideon goes, he's like, okay, God, hold on, stay right here. I'm going to go come and make a sacrifice to you. Basically, I'm going to come, I want to come worship you. You know, they, they worship God through their sacrifices then. Aren't you glad we don't do that now? But it was a part of worship. It was his way to worship God. And then he brings this sacrifice. God brings fire down, burns up a sacrifice. And then we're going to pick up the story here at verse 22. It says, when Gideon realized that it was an angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. So the place that Gideon worshipped became called the Lord of peace. The place where he chose to worship God became a place of peace. And when we're in this cocoon, this metamorphous stage, how many think it's going to be a good idea that we have some peace? Right, Because a lot of things are changing in that cocoon. A lot of things are changing in us. And God's maturing us right now is the mission. And there's going to be some stuff that you're going to need peace. And Gideon chose to worship. And because he worshipped him, it made a place of peace. And as the mission, we want this place to be a place of peace. Right? How many of you want your life to be a place of peace? That when people encounter you, they get overwhelmed with peace. Because how many of you know the world is not in peace? Right? Most people are living in situations that aren't peaceful. But when they interact with somebody that has peace... They know something's different. And to create that place of peace, we have to be people of worship. That worshipers create a place of peace. And Gideon learned this principle that he worshiped God and he created a place of peace. He says he built an altar and called it the Lord of peace. 
So that anybody that passed by would go, oh, he's the Lord of peace. So during this metamorphous stage as the mission, over this next three months, I think it's really important that worship becomes our focus. How many think worship is a really good focus for us right now? All right. That was a trick question. So how many of you, how do I do this without, please hear my heart in this. How many of you know what time we start worship? Oh, a lot less hands went up. So, worship starts at 10 o'clock. Right here at the mission. So if we think worship should be a priority for us, then it has to be a priority for us individually. And it's so powerful when we come together and worship as a community. So I'm asking you if you would be willing to make it a priority for these next three months. To make worship our priority and be here together at 10 o'clock to worship together. Can you do that? And look, I understand. I've got four kids. So I get the, that rat race to try to get kids and stuff out the door in the morning. I get it. So what I've done personally sometimes when I know it's tough to get somewhere on time is I change the time that I need to be there. So I would actually encourage you to be here at 9.30. So that way, if something happens, you're here by 10. And if you get here at 9.30, then that gives you time to actually connect with people. See, me speaking right now is not the priority for Sunday mornings. That somebody preaching is not the reason, the only reason we come together as a community. That actually connecting and worshiping together is the main priority. And if we're not doing that as a community, then we get disconnected. We get disconnected from each other, and we get, and we get disconnected from God. Because we're not worshiping together. Speaking is important. It, it gives us our target. It gives us, what, hey, where we're going. But it's really just to inspire you for during the week you unpack it with the Holy Spirit. That when whoever's speaking on this stage, at this podium, their job is to inspire you to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit that week and what they talked about. It's not the end all. I don't want to give you all the answers. That's not my job. My job is to get you to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit. Because, now look, I'm not talking to mature, if you're new to Jesus, I'm not talking to you right now. Get all the help you need. And you need, you know, but I'm talking to the mature person, the mature Christian here. It's time to feed yourself. It's time. If the mission is going to be who we are and continue to be who we are. We mature ones 
have to be willing to feed ourselves so that we can disciple other people. So we can disciple the babies. So we can disciple the ones that are new to the kingdom. Because they need to be discipled. They need help. But we have to be mature enough to feed ourselves. And to come to worship together. Because when you guys are here and you're worshiping, it's, it's awesome. And he loves it. So can you commit to being here 10 o'clock Sunday mornings? All right. And do it at home. Make worship a priority at home. Make your place a house of peace. If, you, if your house right now is not peaceful, I encourage you to start worshiping in your house. And allow the peace of the Holy Spirit to come in. Your neighborhood. Go walk around your neighborhood and worship through your neighborhood. And create a place of peace in your neighborhood. All right? Can, will you go on this journey with me? Awesome. Good. Because I don't know what the next stage was going to be. I don't know. Get a whip out or something. No, you guys are amazing. And I know you guys can handle it. All right, so now we're going to go on to the second altar that changed the name of a place. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Genesis 22. So this is where Abraham and Sarah want a child, but they're getting really old. They're really old. They're past the age of being able to have a child, and God promises them a son, right? Are you familiar with this? Yeah. And so they have Isaac. Isaac's born. So now they have this promised son. And then God comes to, to Abraham. And at this point, just so you have some context, Isaac is, they say, the youngest he probably was was a teenager. And he could have been even in his 30s at this point. So he's somewhere in this range. So we're not talking about a little kid here. Okay. So this is Genesis 22, verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, where here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. So God comes to Abraham and is like, hey, you know the son that I gave you? You know, that one that you waited forever and ever for. And I promised you that through him, that a nation would be born that outnumbers the stars and the sands of the sea. You know, that one? Yeah, I want you to go kill him. You know, the one I gave you a promise for. The one I said nations would be born out of him. That one I want you to go offer as a sacrifice. So this is what what the deal is here. And this is Abraham's response. Verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. How many of you have ever gotten up early in the past month? Good. But it says... Abraham, the next day after God says, I need you to sacrifice your son, your promise. He says it gets up early 
the next morning. He doesn't wait. His obedience is instantaneously. He doesn't wait to see, okay, is God going to change his mind here? But his obedience is right away. It says he gets up early the next morning. The rate of our obedience will determine how long we're in the cocoon. See, God, when he asks us to do something, is waiting to see if we would obey. See, we believe God is God, right? Created everything. That there is no one above him, right? This is yes. I know you're, you're waiting for the setup. You're like, do I answer this or not? But if we really believe that, then why do we take so long to obey? If we believe God is who we say he is, why do we take so long? So Abraham actually believed who he thought God was. And he obeyed right away. So then he, he takes Isaac. And he takes his, a couple servants. And he heads out on this journey to the mountain. We're going to pick it up in verse 5. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the, the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied, The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? So not only is Isaac a strong young man, because he had to carry the wood up a mountain, but he's got some wisdom to him. Because they're, they're on this journey, and they, he knows that they're, his dad told his servants that we're going to worship, which meant they were going to sacrifice something. And at some point going up the mountain, Isaac realizes, hey, I'm carrying the wood. Dad's got the fire and the knife. Wait a minute here. He's got the knife and the fire. I've got the wood. Where's the sacrifice? So he's starting to figure this out a little bit. What's going on here? And this is Abraham's response. Verse 8. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. So Abraham tells Isaac that God's going to provide a lamb. But then he ties them up. So think, think through Isaac's head a little bit here. If his dad told him, God's going to provide a lamb, why would he be tying me up? Because it says, Abraham 
said that God was going to provide a lamb. Could it be that Abraham was actually talking about Isaac when he said, God will provide a lamb? Because why would Abraham tie his son up and put him on the altar if he knew God was going to provide a lamb? So you're like, where are you getting this from? Let's turn real quickly to Hebrews eleven seventeen. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. So, and here's the important part, verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Abraham's mindset was that God would raise the dead. His mindset is that Isaac is going to die and God will raise him from the dead. That's where his faith was in. It wasn't, like, we know the end of the story, right? That there's a ram caught in the thicket. They didn't know that. Abraham didn't know that was going to happen. His faith was in that God would raise his son from the dead. That God had given him a promise that a nation would come out of Isaac. But God asked him to sacrifice him. So how can a nation come out of something that is sacrificed, that is dead. And not only was he going to be dead, see, God didn't say, take your son to Isaac, stab him, and kill him. He actually said, take him and make him a burnt offering to me. So the plan wasn't only to to stab him with a knife and kill him, but it was also to actually burn him. And, and Abraham still had the faith that even after his son would be burnt, that God would raise him from the dead. That God could take ashes and raise ashes back to life. See, Abraham was, I believe, talking about Isaac when he said, God will provide a lamb. Because his faith was in that God would raise him from the dead. Not that God would give an alternative. See, Abraham's faith wasn't in that God would give him an out to sacrificing Isaac. His faith was that God would raise him from the dead. What is our faith in? That God's going to rescue us? Or God's going to raise things from the dead. See, I think a lot of times our faith is in that God's going to give us an out. That God has asked us to be obedient in something. And I think in our 
back of our head somewhere where we have faith that, oh, at the last minute, God's going to give me an out. But that's not what Abraham's faith was built on. His faith was built on, I'm going to be obedient and God's going to be able to raise it at the end of the day. That his promises are going to come true. What he promises will happen. But I have to be obedient. So let's continue on. So, you know, the story, Abraham is about to stab Isaac. God says, hey, hold on. And they find, he stops them. And this is, we're going to pick it up in verse 15. It says, Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So Abraham gets stopped, doesn't have to kill his son. And a ram is there, is provided which I, I mean, I, I've read this story so many, I've heard this story so many times, and I never connected this. That Abraham said, God will provide a lamb. What's caught in the thicket? A ram. What did God say? What did Abraham say God would provide? A lamb. But a ram is actually, is what sacrificed. So I looked it up. I'm like, oh, maybe they just translated the same word two different ways. So I actually looked it up, and it's actually two different words. That the word lamb and the word ram are two different words. So they're not talking about the same animal. That it's actually two different animals. So again, Abraham is talking about a lamb, not a ram. And we know this is a foreshadowing of Jesus. And Abraham declared, God will provide a lamb. And when he stops Abraham from killing his son, see, Isaac couldn't be the lamb. So he provided a ram instead. But there still needed to be a a sacrifice of a lamb. And we know Jesus is that lamb that was sacrificed for us. See, Abraham knew that a lamb needed to be sacrificed. And all he knew, the only lamb he knew at the time was his son. And he was willing to be obedient and sacrifice his son. See, God gave us Jesus, his son, to be sacrificed for us. To give his life so that we can be free. So that we can have freedom. See, he, see, I think 
and this is just me, just bear with me. When Jesus, before he was crucified, he was praying. And he asked God, he says, Father, pass this cup from me. I wonder if he was actually thinking of this. Of this story of Isaac. That he was he thinking, God, will you provide a ram? But he doesn't, Jesus doesn't stop there. Because he says, yet, not my will, but yours will be done. See, at this altar, Abraham declared, declared it a place of provision. It says he called it, he built the altar and called it the Lord that provides. So as we're in this cocoon stage, our obedience will be the gateway for our provision. Because Abraham was obedient, provision was made. And his promise came true. His promise was established that through him and through Isaac, a nation would be born that would be the blessing of the earth. That would outnumber the stars and the the sand of the sea. Because Abraham was willing to be obedient, provision was made. And God is the God that provides. I don't know if you know this, but you actually sang about this story this morning. The song Jaira. Where do you think it comes from? It comes from that story. The Lord that provides. See our worship. Is tied to what we do way more than you think. It's not just something we do to warm up in the morning. But it actually declares what we believe about God. It declares how we want to live our life with God. And today we declared that God is our God that provides. And I think through these next few months, we've got to be a people of worship. But we also have to be people of obedience because in that cocoon there's a lot of stuff going on there's a lot of things that God's going to ask us to be obedient in and it's going to look like it's going to be killing something that promises it's going to look like promises are going to be burnt up but like Abraham's faith was even if my son is burnt And gone to ashes. God will raise him. From the dead. And people. Us as people of the mission. We have to have a priority of worship. And a priority of obedience. To be able to become who. God's calling us to be. For us to be the butterflies. That he's called us to be. For us to survive. And thrive in the cocoon. Worship and obedience have to be our priorities. If I can have the band come on up, why don't you guys stand with me?
So our response time to obedience impacts our time in the cocoon. Our obedience creates a place of provision. Our worship creates a place of peace. Are you ready for a name change over your family and over your house? See, these places where Gideon and Abraham built altars to the Lord, the name of those places changed because of their actions. So if you want your house, your home, your neighborhood, your city to be changed, let's worship and let's be obedient. And see how your house, his names will be changed. Your house does not need to be a house of chaos. Your house doesn't need to be a house of fear. Your house doesn't need to be a house of disorder or calamity. But your house could be a house of peace and provision. So let's, as a community together, join together and worship and be obedient. Two really powerful things for us as a community right now. Because God's called us to the greater. He's called you to be greater. He's called your house to be a house of greater. So we're going to go into some worship together. So for that to change, we have to be quick to obey and quick to worship. So we're going to sing this song and worship together. But I ask you during this time that we worship, that you start the conversation with the Holy Spirit of God, where where do I have to get better at connecting in worship? And where do I need to obey? What instructions have you given me and I haven't obeyed yet? And then ask them to fill you with courage to be obedient and faith to be obedient. So let's worship together, but go on a journey with the Holy Spirit right now.
Teach us how to worship you. Jesus, today we commit that we would be a people of worship. That we will allow you to stretch us in worship. Teach us how to make worship a priority. Not just here, but in our lives every day. That in our homes, that worship would be a priority. neighborhoods would be places of peace because the king of kings is worshipped that the lamb that was slain would be worshipped in our homes and in our neighborhoods that we would carry the name of peace wherever we go. And God, teach us to have faith like Abraham's faith, that we would be quick to obey, that we can believe, have faith for, that any situation can be raised from the dead. That our faith would be in that you can bring anything back to life. we ask, Holy Spirit, teach us to be people of faith and obedience, that we would be quick to obey, and that we would be known as people that serve the God that provides, that our homes would be places known for the Lord provides. That our neighborhoods and cities would be known that are full of people that have the Lord provides written across them. So teach us how to have faith and obedience like Abraham's. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you bless every household in this room that's watching online right now. That the peace of God that passes all understanding 
would come. That in those chaotic places right now that you bring peace. That every situation that you bring peace and provision. To every situation that is in lack right now, we ask Holy Spirit bring provision into their lives. In Jesus' name.